welcome to the show, Paul George, Adam Conk, right here, right now, talking the art of living. What's going on, my man? Oh, same old, same old, which means God is good, and uh, all the time. Yeah, and you're just always a week closer to ordination. Yeah, each week, I'm a week week closer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's how it works. Until you get there. Yeah, I guess, what's today, the sixth, um, a little over three months away. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just a Christmas and an Ash Wednesday away. So I kind of have a conundrum. Uh-oh. On the way into the studio, I got a call, and I answered the call, and someone... So that was your first mistake. You don't answer calls. ...was calling me to ask if I would speak at a conference. Okay. Okay, which is not, you know, unheard of. Usually get an email or something like that, but I, I do know this person, so they have my number, call, pick up, answer, and so I was like, I'll look at the date, and I'll look at the date, and it's... It's March 28th. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the conundrum is... We're going to do this on the air? <laughs> We're going to hash this out? The conundrum is, uh, do I go do the conference so I can buy food for my family? <laughs> Sounds like you've already made up your mind. <laughs> or, or do I I go watch you get ordained? Well, okay, so... And get Earl on your head. This is just my uh, personality, mm-hmm. but I'm the kind of guy that says, look, it's okay if you can't make the wedding, you'll be around for the marriage. Because the marriage is more important. That's true. I'm that kind of guy. And that is very true about me. I mm-hmm. might not make the event, but I'm gonna j- I'll journey with you your whole life. That's precious. You know, once I once I commit to it, I'm I'm in. Yeah. Well, what? it sounds like you've you've made your decision. No, I haven't. <laughs> you know why? Because the final decision maker. You know who the final decision maker is? Jesus. Yes, but practically your wife. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we haven't even. We haven't even looked at the calendar that far, you yeah. know, in a sense. I haven't even... Well, let me know. You're the was, first to know, and then yeah. our listeners. And then if she's <laughs> listening to the show, to do she'll this be on like, the really? Well, look, let me know, because I was planning on having you lift me and present me to the bishop like Simba from The Lion King. <laughs> so, well, you're going to have to go on a diet. I have to get someone else. I, I've gotten weaker in my old age. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to pick you up. Okay, so, all right, I'm a little disturbed about this, but have you seen... What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? So I'm not 100% sure, Adam, how in I am to Christmas decorations being everywhere already. You know, yeah. it's, it's Advent. It's not Christmas. And look, I'm not grumpy. I'm not like the Scrooge. You're not the Grinch. No, no. Like, I'm fine with... But, like, how much is too much and how far is too far? My kids love the lights, and particularly my little one. Loves the Christmas lights, so it's been kind of cool. But here's what I've noticed, which I've kind of been, you know, a little disturbed with. Is that, you know what the the most common yard um, thing, Christmas thing has been that I've seen? Hmm. I don't know. An Olaf. Really? Yeah. A blow-up Olaf. Everywhere, huh? Everywhere. Wow. Yeah, That that's... Kind of a few degrees removed from Kevin Bacon, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't grow up with an Olaf, so it's kind of new to me, you know, with the whole Frozen thing. But, you know, what does Olaf have to do with Christmas? The movie Frozen had nothing to do with Christmas other than it was It's snow. cold. It's cold. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And in Louisiana, that means It nothing. wasn't a Christmas movie, is what I'm saying. Right. To where it's like, <laughs> Olaf, you automatically identify Olaf with Christmas. No. Olaf is just a talking snowman. That so, had nothing to do with Christmas. So what are you going to do about it? Well, I was thinking about just going around and taking all the Olafs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take the air out of every Olaf that I see, Adam. That's could, what I'm going to do. You could probably find some supporters to go with you to do this. And I could get arrested. Yeah, you could. Okay, so what's your favorite yard Christmas decoration? You know, as you drive by, you know, what? what's your favorite? Well, it's hard to beat the Holy Family. Hmm. I mean, when you yeah, see, it. I mean, you really you wanted, yeah, you wanted to go there. Yeah, I did on air. Yeah, because I mean, wow. When you see Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, I mean, okay, wise men, they really don't get there till Epiphany, whatever. The animals, well, that's cool and all, but when you see Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, it's it's hard to beat that feeling you get. Because hmm. I mean, look, they are the heroes of the situation. Yeah. Just like like you weren't you aren't the hero of your birth, Paul. Your mom was right. Well, that's true, yeah. So God is the hero because he planned his birth from all eternity, and he prepared his mom. See, I didn't do that. But like Mary and and Joseph had a huge role to play. In fact, 
it was it was like Joseph's cross, this whole thing. Because like mm-hmm. we see Mary at the foot of the cross later on. What was Joseph's like confusing, gut wrenching, I don't know what's going on moment? It was the whole Christmas story. Yeah. Yep. So mine that's is me. just the, the the yard sign that says Jesus is the reason for the season. That's your favorite. <laughs> I just love. You love it. <laughs> I love, I love bu- bumper stickers and signs that rhyme. Oh, you like the rhyming? I like the people who went all out and spent like ten grand on like li- <laughs> a life size nativity scene. Have yeah. you ever seen those? Yes. Like how impressive those are. Yes. So I'm I'm really impressed that I could never afford one of those, and so it just it looks amazing, and they're not afraid to do it, like to put that in their yard. What is wild too, the ones But my non like sort of like, you know, Christian traditional Mm -hmm. um you know yard thing would be candy canes. Do you like candy canes? Big red candy canes lit lit up. Do you like them to eat them? No, it's just it's just pretty. It is pretty. Yeah. Now in these last few years, the uh radio signal phenomenon where you not only do you put lights everywhere in your yard and mm-hmm. all over your house, but then you put it in sync with music oh, like that you that. can tune into mm-hmm. on a certain radio frequency that you're broadcasting from your house. Mm. It's getting uh it's getting intense out there. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Would so, you ever do that if you had the motivation? I have zero motivation for yeah. Christmas lights. I tell my kids if they want to do them they can do them. <laughs> they I, would be I don't terrible. really care. You know? I don't really care. Sixth graders probably aren't the best but, you know, planners they, of that. They can if they want. Yeah. You know. But anyway, we are in the season of Advent. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I just got finished wrapping up a, an Advent mission. And, you know, the cool thing about doing an Advent mission, being a part of one, or even, you know, putting one on, is that it, it makes you think a lot about Advent. Mm-hmm. You know, and kind of, which is the point, right? To not get lost in Christmas, but to get stuck in Advent for a little while, you know, to, to wait with Mary, you know, that, that, you know, they call it a, you know, that pregnant pause that, you know, that, that waiting, like when, when a mother is, is, um, going through, um, you know, pregnancy, it's, it's nine months of waiting. It's nine Mm -hmm. months of anticipation. And in a sense, like Advent is is walking alongside the Holy Family as they wait for the Son of God to be born, right? And so much of our culture and our world just wants us to speed everything up. We want everything now, immediately, and, and to a point, like we kind of get lost in that. Like I can sit here right now on the internet and I can order all my Christmas presents and have them here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like that's crazy, right? Um you know, everything's just immediate, everything we want now. And here's the thing about the spiritual life is that we don't just get what we want right now in the spiritual life. Like there is waiting, there is, um, in a sense, developing virtue and grit, and um, there is ups and downs in the spiritual life. We can't just Google it or order it and tomorrow (laughs) we have consolation and we have the answer. Advent teaches us so much about pausing and slowing down, waiting and journeying in the spiritual life with the Holy Family. Yeah. Well, you know what the one of the hardest things in music to do is? Write songs? No. No. Well, that's pretty tough. But one of the hardest things to do really well, rest. Hmm. To go into a rest and out of a rest, like where you're not playing at all, is very difficult. Like pausing? Yeah. Okay. So like you're playing music and then you're supposed to not play for like, you know, a few beats. Right. To go into that and out of it well, because it's not just no music. Really a rest is like a rest for those who are listening. Mm. You know, like I'm hearing the music, but then like I enter this rest. That's why it's called a rest and not a pause. And it takes a lot of strength. Like if I'm a singer, for example, if I'm going to go into a rest well and it doesn't sound like abrupt and choppy, Mm. I have to have a very strong diaphragm. Mm. Waiting, resting, enduring takes strength. It does. And it's beautiful when it's done by a strong person. So, for example, think of, think of that dad who's just always been there for his family, you know, and had all these opportunities to, to do things for himself and didn't, you know, was always there for people in his life. Um, that's a strong person. And that strength comes about beautifully in the waiting, in the discipline, in the enduring 
and not thinking of self. And Advent is supposed to do that for us. It's supposed to make us stronger. And so that at Christmas, that strength comes out beautifully in our generosity and our love for one another, our love for God, you know. But if we don't do Advent well year after year, we become weaker and weaker. Absolutely. You know, there's something about a pause that's really important in life that we don't do well. It's interesting. I was given this mission and a couple of people, you know, and were talking to me and they said, you know, they're, I was, I asked them specifically, what did you think about the talk? What did you get out of it? So I did, they didn't just come up to me. Like I wanted some feedback and, you know, on several occasions, uh, people said, you know, I was, I was really intrigued by the way you would pause and it wasn't distracting. It would just make me think about what you said. And I do that intentionally, and sometimes it feels very uncomfortable, mm-hmm. particularly as a speaker, because you're like, I got to be saying something. Um, but the pause, it's it's about, you know, the the conversation that's happening. You know, you and I have learned over the years in in doing the show together. Like when I pause, it's you just know that that's sort of your time, right, to to come in, or vice versa. Or there's a pause for people to think about what we're saying. We don't even pause in interactions with people. We don't even slow down mm-hmm. to to let Jesus speak to us in prayer. You know, even prayer is not a pause. Prayer is just us spewing. And Advent is this time to really hit the pause button. And I don't know. I know that's really hard for us because we're we are already setting up decorations and we are already buying Christmas gifts. And I'm I'm there too. So making the plans, making the plans, and doing the thing. And look, I get it. Like not. Life can't completely stop. But here's the one thing that can slow down. We can slow down our thought process with Jesus, our our interaction in the spiritual life, right? We can begin to slow that down a little. And in God's wisdom, uh, he allowed nine months for childbirth for a reason. Mm-hmm. For us to sit with it, to grow with it, to think about it, you know, to, like you talked about, to, to get stronger, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and when we begin to think that that Mary, the Blessed Mother, went through nine months of, of carrying a child and labor, and Advent is about walking with her and Joseph through this very tumultuous process. Yeah. Not only, like, growing, like, in the pains of labor, but fleeing, you know, uh, through the census to Bethlehem, and um, them, in a sense, not being a traditional family in, in a in a right. culture that you know, as we know, like Joseph wanted to to leave her, like like there, you can you imagine the chaos that they were going through, and and what would happen? It wasn't like the next day, you know, it wasn't like God said, "Hey, you're pregnant, and tomorrow you're going to have the baby." They had to be uncomfortable with the waiting for nine months. The chaos of it, the the in, the intensity of it, right? The the journey of it, that whole thing, the Holy Family did. And often we kind of imagine that every adversity we experience or waiting we experience, something's wrong. Something's wrong with me, or something like something's not happening. Yeah. But in reality, if this is the way God treats His mother and His foster father, right? then we're really blessed when we have to wait because hmm. that means God's about to give us something amazing. Right. And maybe the longer the wait, the greater the thing he wants to bless us with. But that's not easy to go through no. at all. And it wasn't easy for Mary. It wasn't easy for St. Joseph. It didn't lead them to sin, but it, it was a difficulty. And th- that's the thing. There's nothing wrong when we go through difficult times as part of God's will for us in this life. In the next life, there is no difficulty. And we want that, you know, and that's a good thing. We desire ease. We desire things to be easy and wonderful and pleasant and great. But that desire needs to be focused on the next life. In this life, we will often be given the cross, often be given difficulties, so that the world could be blessed through us, Hmm. so that the world could be blessed through Mary and Joseph and, and all of us. All right, so when we come back, I want to talk about the things that can root us and plant us into the journey of Advent that can help us grow spiritually. It's Paul and Adam talking Art of Living. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care costs? 
Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul and Adam in the studio. Uh, dude, great to be with you, man. It's the um, Feast of St. Nicholas. Um, today? Yeah. That's right. I should be dressed like Santa. You know, it's interesting. I read the readings, and I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, in Advent, it's funny. You know, the, the Saint days kind of that's true. fade to the background. Yeah, that's true. I didn't read the Saint of the Day. Advent's front and center, you know? Which but, is... Uh, I saw a really funny mm, meme about St. Nicholas. Which is purposeful. Yeah. What was the meme? So you know how the tradition goes that he was he, he punched Arius in the face at the Council of Nicaea because mm-hmm. uh, of what he was saying about Mary and Jesus and all these things. And so the <laughs> the meme was, there's this painting of St. Nicholas punching Arius, actually. I don't know where this painting is, but it's a classic painting mm-hmm. of, of Santa Claus punching out a heretic. Anyway, the meme said, Mama said, knock, knock you out. You yeah. like that, huh? That made you laugh? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> that's, that's pretty corny. <laughs> But anyway, happy happy feast Saint Nick Paul. Yeah. So can I punch you? If I'm a heretic, sure. Please do. You actually. give me permission. Oh yeah. To mama say knock you out. Yeah, and say that as you're doing it. Mama <laughs> said knock you out, Adam Kong. I love it. Oh uh, <laughs> man. So so what are the things that kind of plan us in the journey of Advent? You know, here's the thing about Advent and Christmas is is you know they they bleed in together. Purposely, you know, Advent prepares us for Christmas, and then we, we move right into the, the beautiful season. And so, it's not like we have to chop it up, you know. Like, our mind can be on Christmas, the birth of Jesus, and you know, the Epiphany, and at the same time, walk with Mary. Like, you know, we can vacillate in the story, is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to just. It's okay to get lost in them both, but I think we got to give ourselves permission to to get lost in the story for Advent and and really get our hearts right for Christmas. And really kind of been thinking, you know, what are some things that really kind of root us and plan us and be, help us to begin sort of the journey of Advent? Um, the first one is this, is Advent has a significant and specific call for us to trust in Jesus, right? This idea of trust. Now, maybe I'm the only one on, on the show and listening who ever struggles with trust, Maybe I'm the only one who's like, I don't, I don't know if I trust you or I struggle trusting you with the future or the present or this waiting's hard. I, 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 don't, I don't really trust that this process is good for me, right? Like this waiting um, and this journey and I don't have all the answers. And, you know, that's trust. It's, it, it's trusting that God's with us in the unknown. It, here's the beautiful thing about the story of Advent is that it is a story of trust, mm-hmm. right? So Mary... Um, finds herself pregnant with God, with Jesus, and, you know, is completely overwhelmed. And she all of a sudden had to really trust in a new way that God was going to take care of her, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, she was sinless, but in her humanness, it didn't just come natural. Oh, yeah, this is easy. This happens to everyone, right? right? Like, what happened to her was unheard of, unknown, and never seen before are, are pre-Mary, right? So, mm-hmm. like, she was having to trust in a deep, deep way. And then you have Joseph who, um, you know, completely and totally doesn't understand, which I wouldn't in my own humanness and sinfulness as he was and as a man to be able to, like, wait, what? Which is what he did. He's like, no, I'll just leave her in silence. I'm, I'm a good dude, but I'm not going to disgrace her. I'm just going to go. And the angel appears to her and says, no, 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 no. Like, here's the deal. You need to trust, right? And then in the middle of all that, there's a census. Now that he has to pack his family up and then go to, to Bethlehem, there's no room. And then all of a sudden they're, you know, they're, they're you know, living in a barn, a cave, a whatever. There they are. I mean, mm. you talk about, like, like, trusting in the process. I think a lot of times we... We think it's easy for holy people to do the right thing, as if, well, of course Mary would trust, of course Joseph would trust, of course Jesus would die on the cross, because that's what they do. They're 
holy people. Right. But we miss the point entirely. In fact, Mary, because of her sinlessness, because of her unclouded intellect, she understood the confusion more than you and I do. Like, in other words, she understood when she said yes, what it meant for Joseph. She understood when it said yes, what it meant for the people in the town that they might kill her. Like, she she was able to process this stuff way more than you and I could have in the way that she knew how difficult of a yes it was going to be more than we would. Absolutely. Her trust was pound for pound a lot harder and more difficult and more fruitful than when I trust in God because she's sinless. It wasn't easier. It wasn't. And why do I bring that up? Because as we, as we move forward in the spiritual life, each advent, if we are making progress, if we are getting closer to God, it's not like we're not going to have to trust anymore. It's not like we, oh, we had to trust God when we weren't as spiritual, weren't as holy, right. weren't as strong. Actually, it increases. And I don't know about you, Paul, but like the closer I get to God, the more I actually make progress in spiritual life, <clears throat> it's like God demands greater trust and, and more difficult trust. Yeah. I mean, and trust isn't like this one-time thing. Oh, I trusted God before. Now I don't need to do it again. It's a lifelong journey because our walk with Christ is lifelong. And I just don't know anyone who has trust altogether. Like it's it's right. it's like the thing that they have down the most. It, it's sort of like faith. It, it it's something that you pray to have more of, right? Mm-hmm. I pray to have more faith. I pray to have more trust. You know. And I think about the opportunities for Joseph and Mary to take God's plan into their own hands. No, I don't want to go to. Bethlehem. And no, no, I don't, you know, want to do this. I, I want to do my own thing, you know, because in the, you know, sort of the, the flip side of trust is fear, you know, like we control, we take control over it. And then, but why do we take control of it? Because we don't trust that God's going to take care of us, right? Yeah. That, that's really scary. So we take control of it, we do it ourselves, then we, you know, we miss out on the blessing or we screw it up. And they really had just had to trust each step. Like God didn't give them the whole plan. He just said, here's the next step. And the next step is, you know, here's here's what's going to happen. You know, you're going to bear a son. His name's going to be Jesus. And oh, and then you're going to Bethlehem. Well, what's next? No, just go to Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Well, what's next? No, just trust me in Bethlehem, right? I'll take care of you there, right? Mm-hmm. And then when that happened, it was like, now I need you to go to Egypt. Wait, what? No, 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 no. That's a foreign land. Like, that's silly. No, no, no. Go, go to Egypt. Just trust that I'll tell you what's not. How long are we going to be there? Till Herod dies. How long is he going to live? We have no, I have no idea. Right? Like, mm-hmm. all the opportunities to just grab control, take it into their own hands, was there. I mean, read the story, and it was this constant growing in trust. And I think for all of us, we all struggle with trust, and it, it's just Advent's this opportunity to say. God, what areas of my life do I need to surrender and trust you in? Like, just let go and say, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you. That might be the the first step, is just saying that. And every chapter of our life, I think, has a main thing God is asking us to trust him with. It could be our job. It could be our family. It could be our friendships. It could be uh, our health. Like, each chapter of our life, whether it's a year or whatever, there's some main thing God wants me to trust him with. And I think Advent is a great opportunity once a year to say, what chapter am I in right now? And what is the trust factor in this chapter? Yeah. So so here's maybe the, the image for us, you know, Mary and Jesus and Joseph are in the manger, you know, and you and I talked about the manger scene at Christmas, you know, being you know, our favorite is, is what area or areas of your life you need, you know, trust in, or need to entrust to Jesus or need more trust breathed inside of you. Place that in the manger mm-hmm. at Advent. Like, th- let that be your prayer. Just You could do it literally. Like, write it down on a piece of paper, you, put it in the empty crib. You could. You, you could do it in prayer. Just mm-hmm. place it in, in the into the presence of the Holy Family, into the arms of Jesus, and just say, I, I trust you. Like, you know, with my job, I don't know the future. You know, my family, my my marriage, my kids, my vocation. You know, you and I talk about, you know, you getting ordained, and we joke about it. 
And there's a lot of trust there, you know, because I'm like, well, what happens after your ordination? You're like, don't I, have, know. I have no idea. <laughs> I no don't know. Yeah. You know, and you could you could spin your wheels trying to figure it out and it would exhaust you. And at the end of the day, all you could say is, I just trust that Jesus is going to take care of the next step. Right. Yeah. For all of us, like you said, we all have seasons of our lives or areas of our lives that we don't know. And it's just this opportunity to trust. Here's the beautiful thing about Advent is that we're not alone in that trust. We understand that the Holy family family was called to that and went through it as well. Yeah, and they're still in our life. Like Mary and Joseph are in our life for a reason because the strength that they built up in their trust, in their faith, in Bethlehem, in Egypt, also in Nazareth, at the crucifixion, like the strength that they developed through that experience is available to us through the communion of saints. Like we have them in our life. We can talk to Mary now. We can talk to Joseph now about help me to trust. Right, because they can relate. Absolutely. And so can Jesus. Yes. You know, in, in his humanness, he had to trust, I mean, all the way to the end, you know? Yeah. I mean... And it was not easy. No. Like, just because he's God, made man, God with a human nature, does not mean that the cross was a walk in the park. Yep. No, absolutely. So, so the first is trust. Well, what, what helps us with, with trust uh, other than prayer? And that's the... The second thing that I think Advent really calls us back to here. Here's the thing about Advent. You know, we talked about this in the last show. It's, it's the beginning of our spiritual new year, you know, and so it's, it's a time for us to um, reconnect spiritually, to, to grow spiritually, to set some spiritual goals, to have a spiritual renewal. Ad, Advent is the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. Not Lent, n- not January 1st, um, not Easter. It's Advent. But here's, here's the beautiful thing about Advent. Like, if you zoom out, you really think about it, is that Advent is the most simplest of seasons. Mm-hmm. Because in God's simplicity, he came as a humble baby into the world, right? Mm-hmm. Quiet, under the radar, in humility, he came. And Advent calls us to sort of go back and to fall in love with what's what's just true and essential in our faith. And that's Jesus, right? And what does that begin with? Um, you know, it's interesting, you know, in, in the story, the whole Advent and Christmas story is, um, you know, the Magi, you know, see the star and, and they knew the prophecies of a, of a king, a Messiah coming. So they follow the star, right? And when they get to where the star is pointing, it brings them to baby Jesus, the King, the Messiah, right? Mm -hmm. And theologians say that, uh, you know, once they found the light of Christ, that the star really disappeared, that they were following. Like, it kind of, it no longer was like the thing that they followed. It kind of faded away, and now the light of the world was here, right? I thought that was a real interesting theological insight that some theologians had talked about. Uh, but here's the thing is that when, when you read the story, it says when they first saw him, it says they worshiped him. That's what they said. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that, that's, that's the line. What's the first thing they did? They worshiped him. And I like how you're putting trust before prayer because I think that's the right order in that situation. Think about the trust of the wise men who weren't Christian, who weren't Jewish, who were following some prompting. But they wanted hope. They had hope. They were searching. They were following God in their own way right. and effectively. Like they actually followed where God was leading them. Yeah, they. But they had to trust, right? They went on their own journey of trust that led to this prayer in 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 the crib, right? And I think for a lot of us who struggle in prayer, maybe uh, the foundation of trust needs to be there first. Like, okay, pray about what God's asking you to trust Him with, because I don't know about you, Paul, but I've never been more on my knees in prayer mm-hmm. than when I knew I had to trust God with a big deal. Yeah. Like, there's a huge problem. My kid is sick or my whatever, and it draws me into that prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that foundation of trust can lead to a certain type of prayer in Advent where, Lord, you've promised me something, and I believe it's going to happen. Bring me to this. Like, bless me this way. Um, you've you've called me to do something. I'm struggling to trust. But this, this ca- draws us into prayer, the struggle to trust. Yeah, so... You know, what does worship mean? You know, the catechism teaches us that 
the word worship and adoration are um, interchangeable. They mean the same thing. To adore means to worship. To worship means to adore. Uh, adore what? What? To worship what? What? You know, in a sense, we can worship anything, right? Mm-hmm. We could put, you know, something at the apex of our life. You know, to worship, to adore something is to say that thing, that thing is the most important thing in my life, right? And, you know, when the Magi got there and they saw that this was the answer, the hope that they were looking for, the light of the world, the Messiah, it says they worshiped him, meaning like in in that sense, what their heart desired, they recognized that Jesus was the answer to that. And they adored him. They, they just said, I want my life to be about that right there. Mm-hmm. Worship in its purest sense, is just getting on our knees and recognizing that God is at the apex of our life. Lord, I worship you. I adore you. You're the most important thing. You you exist above everything else. I, I trust you, right? I I acknowledge you as, as Lord over my life, over my worries and fears and my anxieties, over my finances and family, all the things that I seem to put worth in and focus on. No, Lord, you are worth more than that. That's, that's the purest form of worship, right? And this is what Advent calls us to, is to recognize the light of the world in Jesus and to say, that's what I want my life to be about. And that's the gift of, of this little baby in the manger is that yeah. we can worship. We can worship God in spirit and truth, like Jesus said, and the Father seeks such worship. How do we worship God in spirit and truth? By worshiping him in Christ, in, his, in, his, in the flesh of of Christ, God in his fullness dwells bodily. And we can come to worship not just the idea of God, but God himself mm-hmm. in the flesh. And then you had pagans, right? The Gentiles who were there, the stable to worship. And you had Jews. Like you had the whole world represented that God called this first liturgy, if you will, in the cave of Bethlehem, mm-hmm. this first mass, if you will, right? Where These people were the came first to worship. worshipers. You know, outside of, of Mary in her first in a sense, of, as a Christian worshiper, mm-hmm. when when she worshiped God by saying, you know, you know, may it be done to me according to your will, like that sense of like, Lord, I praise you and worship you. These, these were the first words. And like you said, they, they weren't even Christian. Like they weren't even like believers, right? Mm-hmm. But when they saw, they worshiped the sense of the first liturgy. They worshiped the presence of God. Yeah. Place in a manger, right, where you feed from. Mm-hmm. Right, so the Eucharistic imagery is there. You know, it's interesting you brought up adoration. I, I always remember um, Father Jerome Fry, he's passed away now, but he would point out how to adore, the two Latin words are ad ore, so mm-hmm. to the mouth. Mm-hmm. You're saying how that's that's what God desires, that we would be so close to him. It's like kissing God. Like We, ad- we adore God. There's an intimacy to it. And um, in this Advent season, I think, Finding that intimate prayer Absolutely. is so important. At least one event of intimate prayer, whether it's an Advent mission, a retreat, yep. um, just getting away to the chapel for an hour, at least one time mm-hmm. during the season, to go ad ore, to yep. the mouth, and, and worship and adore. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Scripture says, for from the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you fall in love with your spouse, you automatically are going to, it comes from the heart. I love you right? It comes out of the mouth. A true act and form of worship is, is to speak that to, to, from, from the heart. Jesus, I love you. I, I struggle, but I want you to be Lord of my life. That's worship. Like mm-hmm. talking that out is worship. That's adoring. That's praising the Lord. That's getting on your knees and saying, I want that, that God to be the God of my life. This is what the Magi did in their worship. And here, here's what I love about it is that at this point, certainly God and salvation history had accomplished a lot. But but the story, really, the New Testament story was beginning. Jesus, at that point, had done nothing. Right. Said nothing, preached Said, nothing. Be born, that's it. Healed no one, like nothing. He, just, he was laying there, helpless. And th- like that, that, that sign of humility is, is just, in a sense, like Jesus meets us there in our brokenness and in... in in our need for him, right? Think about this. The God of the universe, who the Magi were worshiping, were just as in need. He, God, Jesus was just as in need as they were. As a, yeah, as a, as human. a human. Yeah. 
Like he could go nowhere without Mary and Joseph. Like he was just as vulnerable, right? So you think about like our deepest needs, our need for forgiveness and mercy and love and joy and trust. Jesus knew what that, that in that human sense, the need, you know, like the vulnerability, right? Yeah, and that's beautiful. And we often run from that aspect of us, but it, it connects us to Christ. That's why he came this way. Uh, in our moments of deepest need and struggle, if we think of him and if we think of him in need, whether in the crib or on the cross right. or anywhere in between, Jesus was in need a lot. Absolutely. And, and at the end of his life, he mm-hmm. was just as in need. Lord, you know, he's praying to the Father, begging the Father, you know. Right. Like he shows us his need for the Father. That's his exa- worship yeah. in the garden was worship. And that's God. exactly it. That's how struggle turns into worship. Mm-hmm. We waste a lot of suffering in our life because we don't turn it into worship. Amen to that, dude. But the way we worship in those moments is to think about Christ who suffers with us. Okay. Christ who knows our need, who's present to us, and then adoring that Christ who is present to us. So here's what worship does. is it? It's that when we worship God, it helps us to no longer focus on ourselves. Like we move out of ourselves into recognizing who God is. When we don't worship, our complete focus is ourselves, which means we basically worship our own self. Yeah. So try this, you know, throughout your day, while you're driving in the chapel, is just just pray under your breath or, Jesus, I worship you. I guarantee if you say that over and over again and you keep saying it, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I praise you. Like, you're going to find yourself beginning to be able to focus on God and less on you. And, mm-hmm. and that's when our lives begin to shift. Worship has the ability to shift our lives into freedom. And this is what we're going to talk about next. So, it's Paul and Adam. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to our Advent special. Advent special. Well, Advent is already special enough, but now it's extra special. Because we're making it. Because we're making it special. The Olaf edition. (laughs) Well, now, if this happens, if in the Lafayette area, um, people find their Olaf stolen or punctured, they know it's you, buddy. See, you know, here's the deal. Today, they have cell phone cameras and, you know, video cameras, and you can't do anything fun anymore. When I, when I was a kid, we go around and we would take everyone's, you know, decorations and put, really? them, put them in someone's yard. No kidding. Yeah, it was kind of like our fun tradition. It was fun. So you would decorate their yard? You know, you, you'd with take other people's like, decorations? Yeah, like, and you'd put it in there, like Halloween. Like, you'd take people's Halloween decorations, pile them nice. in the back of your truck, and then go put them in someone's yard, you know? Wow. The good and old days. And they'd be like, who did it? And they're like, ah, you have no cell phone footage. <laughs> you have no idea. Yeah, not today. But um, so friends of mine did that. I didn't. I, I didn't. Oh, you didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That'd I just be terrible. heard about people that were doing that. That sounds terrible. It sounds really terrible. <laughs> Who would ever? Can't imagine. It was all in good fun. I, I heard. That's what you heard. I heard it was only <laughs> in good fun. <laughs> yep. So anyway, so we're yeah we're we're in the middle of Advent. It's really got me kind of, you know entering in and i i do think in a lot of ways advent's my favorite season it's mine hands down or candles up you know in the simplicity and it it's sort of a like a a recalibrating your spiritual life Let, Mm -hmm. let me just get back to what's simple and what's essential to the spiritual life what's not complicated and that's really ultimately let me re fall in love with jesus again Mm mm-hmm yeah, and the principal virtue of Advent is hope, which to me is, and to others, like Pope Benedict Sixteenth, hope is kind of the essential Christian characteristic of this life. Like in heaven, where hope will fade away, right? 
Like we've been given a promise in Jesus Christ. He came 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross, and he said, if we follow him now, he's not dead now, and if we follow him, we're going to live forever. And we're hoping in that, and we put all our chips into that, right? Like we put all our eggs in that basket. And this is what the Christian life is, and this is what Advent is all about. We've been promised the coming Messiah, you know, and we reconnect with the promise of the Old Testament as we wait for Christ to come the first time. But this this really gets us in touch with who we are now. We are waiting for Christ to come again. We're hoping for this. And uh, that's why I get jacked up about Advent. I love Advent. Yeah, I mean, Advent, you know, means coming. And, you know, we, we celebrate the first coming of Jesus and in waiting of the second coming. And in the midst of all that, it brings us back to the reality of Christ falling in love with Jesus again, you know, just like not making it complicated, mm-hmm. you know, and in marriage, I think oftentimes marriage can get so complicated and get so busy, so crazy and hectic and so stressful with life, job, money, kids, you know, the whole deal. And how often is it important for husband and wife to get away for a weekend or a date and just rekindle the fire, like refall in love, you know, and that's a good marriage is, is a marriage that's fallen in love again over and over. Yeah, well, like, I believe that relationships are kind of living organisms on their own. There, there needs to be a breathing in and a breathing out, right? right? So, like when I when I connect with someone, whether it's God or my spouse or my friend, it's like I'm breathing in the relationship. The relationship breathes in, you mm-hmm. know. And then I'm going to exhale until I see them again. And if I don't if I don't reconnect, you know, I start to die. And it's like this with with worshiping God. We're talking about the last segment. Our worship of God is breathing in God's mm-hmm. life. It's like we take a breath. Not only spiritually, but just all of me, like yep. bodily, spiritually, everything just takes that breath in. And then we exhale as we live our life. And then we worship again on Sunday or on every day. You know, like this should be the Christian life. And a marriage or, or friendships or whatever, it's all the same. Like that connecting point, you, you breathe it in and then you live life. And if you're not reconnecting, if you're not um, having that Advent moment of, of simplicity and kind of reconnecting every year, then, um, yeah, you begin to die. Absolutely. And, and, you know, in the wisdom of the church, um, the church knows that. Like, the, the church knows that, you know, the, the cyclical cycle of the spiritual life. Like, it's not linear. You know, it's like, oh, we're just going. We're never stopping. It's like, no, we're coming back around. Because I think in the wisdom of the church and in God's wisdom, they know that as humans, we forget. And we, mm-hmm. need, we do need to be re-reminded of the salvation story. We need to be re-reminded of the gift of Jesus. We need to re-fall in love, honestly, of for what, you know, you know, what we're created for. And Advent is like, hey, let, let's fall in love again. And and it's okay to say that. It's okay to be like, man, it's a long year. I forgot. You know, it's been tired and busy and crazy. And man, let me let me just pause and, and begin to trust and worship God again and fall in love again. Now, here's the beautiful thing about Advent. Oftentimes we don't think about, but, you know, we do connect the Old Testament and the New Testament in Advent, you know, the salvation story, you know, because the incarnation, um, Jesus coming to establish the new covenant, is this, is that there is an intense connection between the Old Testament freedom that God provided and the freedom that comes in Christ. And here's here's where it connects in the story of Advent and Christmas. And like I said, they, they bleed together, obviously. Is, you know, the Magi come, they worship him, and then, you know, they, they get word that, that Herod is going to slaughter every male child two years and under. You know, it's a complete massacre. And which oftentimes we think, oh, Jesus came in such an awesome, beautiful time and everything was great. And he came in the middle of chaos the middle of dictatorship and, in, you know, in the middle of struggle and pain in the world. And I think oftentimes so many people say, and I've said this before, is, man, what is the what in the world does the world come to? <laughs> right? Have you ever said that? Oh, yeah. I think God said the same thing over 2,000 years ago. What in the world does the world come to? Mm-hmm. There's no greater time than now for, for my son to be in the world because what in the world does the world come to? People are murdering, killing, doing all sorts of, horrible things so in a lot of ways like god can relate to that you know our world has come to you know and jesus came into that world and jesus ultimately can come into our world 
that's chaotic and stressful, you know? And I was talking to this guy not long ago. He said, you know, I, I can't pray. He goes, I basically, I'll start praying when I can figure out all my stress. Like when I get it all figured out. And I was like, are you crazy? <laughs> like basically what you're telling God is that he's not big enough or hasn't done enough to enter into your chaos. Mm. Like the chaos and stress of your life is actually the starting point for your prayer. Oh, yeah, totally. Right? What are you worried, thinking, stressed, anxious about? Like, don't run from it or believe that God can't enter it. Like, that's your starting point of your conversation, of your worship, moving you through that. Yeah. And so when, you know, the Magi come and they worship, and then they get word of Herod, and then the angel of the Lord uh, appears to Joseph and says, hey, I'm back. (laughs) Remember me? Last time we had such a good chat. We had a really (laughs) difficult conversation. I basically told you, do not go anywhere. Uh, (laughs) Stay with this woman. Um, You know, you got to evacuate into Egypt. And I can't imagine, like, what Egypt, what? You know, like, no, okay. And so they evacuate into Egypt. But here's here's what I'm getting at, the the intense theological connection here, is that the infant child of Jesus, the Savior of the world, the light of the world, the new, quote-unquote, North Star, uh, evacuates into Egypt. When what was the place in the Old Testament that God set his people free from? Slavery in Egypt. Slavery yeah. in Egypt. And this connection of the Savior the, the, of the world, the new covenant, takes a step back into Egypt to, to make a final stamp of slavery and saying, you're now free forever. Like God's claim... It's done. The footprint is there. Slavery is no longer an option. I'm coming into the world. I'm going to preach the good news, and I'm going to die and give my life so that everyone can be free. Before I even grow up, I'm Egypt. You're set free. Yeah, and I love the connection you're making here that Advent is a time for setting free. I mean, in the Old Testament, God wouldn't have given his name to his people if there wasn't a problem. If slavery wasn't an issue and people were praying constantly, God save us from slavery, he would not have raised up Moses and given him his name and formed a people. So in other words, the people was the people of God were born out of struggle, problems, chaos, things weren't right. That's how their relationship with God started. And that's how they became his people. And so it is with us. Like the there is something chaotic there is something problematic. There is something not quite right in our lives right now. And it's not something to be disregarded or, or put away. It's actually a way that God wants to meet us and form a new covenant with us. In other Absolutely. words, he's going to carry us through that thing. And that will become a touch point for the rest of our lives. Like, God got me through this situation. He brought me out of Egypt. And now I now I understand who he is to me, you know? Mm. The struggles of our lives are precursors to a deeper, more profound relationship with God who brings us out of those struggles. And in Advent, there's just so much grace for doing that, whether it's an addiction we have. But for most of us, Paul, I think, especially this time of year, it's so difficult. It's mainly unforgiveness. Mm. Unforgiveness of family members, unforgiveness of coworkers, unforgiveness of friends, um, where around you know celebrating the holidays, getting together, it really hurts us. Like mm. we think about those times they hurt us. We think about the distance we have between us. We think about all these things and it hurts. Wouldn't it feel so good to have a little bit of that freedom? Freedom. Well, and here's here's the thing for all of us, you guys, is that Jesus um, desires and wants to step into whatever Egypt we have, whatever thing that we hold on to, whatever unforgiveness or lack of love, trust, hope, you know, mercy, faith, um, whatever healing or you know whatever family thing like. Jesus is not afraid to step into our Egypt. Mm-hmm. That's what we need to know. And he doesn't just step in our Egypt just to do so. He does, does so to, to set us free. Like Jesus claims that he has come to set us free. And Advent is this time of, of really allowing the incarnation to come into our life and set us free, right? And maybe pick one area of your life. You're like, man, this has just been constant thing in my life like 
and but, I feel helpless about yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, that's the key area. Like, if I feel like there's nothing I can do about it, yeah. that's exactly where God wants to come in. Absolutely. And it's just simple, like, Lord, just let's journey in Egypt together. Like, let, like just be in that with me. You know, be mm-hmm. in that with me. And there's a lot of comfort in knowing that Jesus is there in your brokenness and in your pain and in your worry. And through that process, there becomes, you know, a breakthrough. Um, there becomes this this opportunity for forgiveness and, and love and joy and hope and whatever it is, you know. And, and that's amazing. Yes, and this becomes part of our story, our salvation history story with God. Like, if our life story doesn't have these moments of God got me out of this, he set me free from that, he whatever, then our story is actually just, it hasn't really started. Yeah. Like, no, like, and I, I can remember so many Egypts in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, Egypt of, you know, 2001, you know, and Egypt of 2002, and these constant opportunities, they got entered into a world that I didn't think he could, and he did, and, you know, showed me a new way to live, you know. We talk about the art of living, like a new way to live, to set us free so that we have an opportunity to, to live again, to live free, to live differently. That's Advent, the call of Advent. So, yeah, man, this is why we get excited about it. Oh, I'm fired up about Advent now. Boom. You got me fired up, Paul ah. George. I'm going to take out all the Olafs in the city, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going, uh, let's see, I'm going trust. Go and pray, and I'm going to let God set me free this Advent. Dude. It's happening. It's happening, man. This is awesome. So thank you guys for listening in, journeying with us this year and, and this Advent. Share the show. Um, help help someone encounter Christ this Advent. Um, you can get the show on um, iTunes or Google Play or discovertheartofliving.com. Uh, you can also see some of the things that we're doing, the work that we're doing uh, with speaking consulting conferences our marriage conference adam and i um and gretchen are doing one february actually here in lafayette february 15th cathedral of saint john the evangelist yes so sign up before that blows up you can get that information on the website uh discover the art of living.com or search facebook for married conference in lafayette and i gotta say paul as a spouse what better christmas gift would there be than a ticket to oh, the married true. conference. That's true. And it's the day after um, Valentine's, Valentine's day. day. I mean, come on. Yeah. Easy Christmas gift. We made it really easy for people this year. Yeah, that's true. That's a win-win. Totally. Yeah, that's a win-win. Like, hey, I could have given you socks, but how about a much stronger and happier marriage? Ooh. Yeah. Because I care enough about our marriage to do this. That's true. And yeah, it's not a, a whole weekend. It's one day. One day. And then you could do some things around it. You you know, get a hotel for the night or go on a date night after. It's a really cool event. So anyway, lots of great things. So thanks again, Adam, and thanks everyone for listening. And we'll be back next week. God bless.